There's a word from the Lord this morning as we continue this series of messages entitled, Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. This is the ninth message in this series. And the text today is found in the gospel that has been recorded by St. Mark chapter 5 and verses 32 to verse 34. This is a very personal message to me. I said to the congregation this morning at 8, there are some messages that you enjoy preparing so much. And I told the Lord, I don't know if others will enjoy it as I have putting it together, but it blessed me. And I pray that it blesses you. Here is the reading of God's holy word, beginning at verse 32, chapter 5, the gospel that has been recorded by St. Mark, NIV translation. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, who had touched him, one translation says. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. <laughs> Look at verse 34. He said, you remember I shared this with you guys on New Year's Eve. I told you I'd get back to this text. Jesus said to her, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daughter, your faith has healed you. I really like the King James Version. It says, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And the church that loves God's word said, Amen. Look at somebody, don't touch, don't touch, but just look, amen. Look at someone standing next to you. And here's the subject for this ninth message. This is personal for everyone under the sound of my voice. To those of you who could not get to your church this morning, but you're tuning in to us, this is for you. Look at someone and say, you are not what you're going through. Now look behind you and tell them you are not what you are going through. Uh, clap those hands and take your seat. You are not. <laughs> the devil is a liar. What you are going through. Listen, it was stated in last week's message, which was the eighth message of this series, that the Lord our God sees us in the future. What we said was that God can see what others cannot see. He sees us in the future. In other words, God sees what we are going to become. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> Other folk, they, they can't judge your future because they don't know your future. But God sees things about you that you don't even see about yourself. Only God could call Gideon, who at that time was acting like a coward, a mighty man of valor, a mighty warrior of God. God sees you in the future. And so we now get to this ninth message. And in today's message, the assignment that God has given us is that we would like 
to talk about the fact that not only does God see us in the future, but listen to this. God also sees who we really are. Look at somebody and say, right now. <laughs> this is important. And the words are chosen carefully. God sees who we really are, not who folks say we are. Not anything else, but who we really are right now. Despite what our current situation, despite what our circumstances may suggest about us, just because you don't have any money doesn't mean you're broke. Amen, somebody. Just because you don't have any friends doesn't mean you're by yourself. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Just because you're going through a rough time and a rough situation doesn't mean you're rough and that you don't have anything going for you. God says, I know your situation. I understand your circumstances. But I can see who you really are despite what you may be going through. Problem is that we sometimes think others can do that and they can't. People are very visual. People kind of judge what they see. They see you acting crazy. They call you crazy. They, they see you don't have anything. They call you broke. But God says, I can see beyond your situation. I can see beyond your circumstances because to God, it's temporary. Somebody ought to say, this is temporary. This too will pass. And so the real question for us to consider today is this. If God can see who we really are, the question is, can we look beyond our own current state to see ourselves as God sees us? Now, we know how God sees us. question is, can we see ourselves the way God sees us? Or are we stuck in that paradigm of thinking we are who our situation says we are or what it says we are we are who our critics say we are the question is can you see beyond your reputation <laughs> can you see beyond your situation now truth is some of our reputations are well earned amen we've we've earned some things about us but it doesn't mean that god is through with us doesn't mean that God still cannot see the best in us. Here's the problem. And as I was putting this together, this is the line that I had to just stop, cut off the iPad, and just think and rejoice. And God said, here's the issue, Darren, that I need you to drive home. Unfortunately, too often, here's the key, we are our own worst enemies. Can I preach to you? When it comes to believing that we are more than what we are currently going through, we are our own worst enemies. We assign descriptions of ourselves that nobody else has called us but us. We started, we say things like I'm messed up. I, I, I'm just going through something. I am so broke, I don't know if I can even make it. And the enemy hears that. We put stuff out there in the atmosphere about ourselves that the enemy grabs hold of because as you've heard me say on Tuesday nights, the devil is not omniscient. The enemy does not know everything about us. He knows what we say to him and he knows what we say about us. So don't help the devil out. 
Can I preach to somebody? Look at somebody say, don't help him out. He doesn't need any, he doesn't need any help when it comes to attacking us. And so even if you think it, don't say it. And help and ask God to help you not even to think it. Rebuke it when it enters in your mind. When the enemy says to you, you won't survive to say you are a liar. Jesus, Jesus had the template. I preached this at Reed Chapel uh, on the Ash uh, uh, Wednesday, and I preached a message that I told our folk I've got to preach here, and it's called the Wilderness Experience. You remember that, Deacon Chip? And I says, we don't need to give the enemy any help. Look what Jesus did when the enemy attacked him. Whatever the devil said to Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus said the opposite with the word. The enemy said to him, you will not perish. Uh, you can eat, you're hungry. Jesus said, but the word says man should not live by bread alone. You've got to be able to combat what the enemy says with the word. When the enemy comes to you and says, uh-oh, this thing is going to take you out. When the enemy tells you just because you feel hot that you got a temperature and you got a virus. Now, you ought to get checked out if you're really sick. I'm not diminishing that. But I'm saying don't make yourself sick worried about being sick. Who am I preaching to? Amen. And the God we serve is still Jehovah Rapha. The God that healeth all of our illness. Amen, somebody. What I'm saying is do not allow the devil uh, to infiltrate and to captivate your mind. And here you are your own worst enemy. You are saying things about yourself that does not even exist. And the devil takes what you put out there and say, I'm going to use it against him. You say you're sick. I'm going to start making you act like you're sick. You says you won't recover. You're going to feel like you can't recover. But you've got to say the God I serve is able to do it. Anybody know that God is able to do just what God said he is going to do? Look at your neighbor and say, don't you help the enemy out. Don't you help the devil out. Don't you say things about yourself that you don't want to come to existence. In fact, if you're going to talk about yourself, talk positive. Say it. I, I'm blessed. I, you know what? I may not have as much as I'm going to have in the future, but it won't be like this. I, things are going to turn around in my life. Come back and check me out when things turn around. Not if they turn around, but when they turn around. Anybody know that God is a God that has already declared his blessings over your life? Somebody ought to clap those hands and give God your best praise. Here's what God said to me. Ironically enough, oftentimes for some people, it is easier to see the best in others, listen, than it is to see the best in themselves. I know people that will celebrate until the roof comes off over a positive testimony of what somebody said God has done for somebody else. But when it comes to themselves, they just don't believe that God can do it. But I, I, every now and then, and, I, and don't take this the wrong way, but every now and then, it's all right for you to be a little selfish. It's all right for you to believe that God's going to bless my house just like he's going to bless somebody else's house. It's all right for you to believe that God can save your children, that God can bless your family, that God can bless your career, that God can turn your situation. I just want to make sure I've got some witnesses in here. Is there anybody else can not only celebrate for somebody else, but you can celebrate what you know God can do for you? Okay, you've got 30 seconds to put whatever kind of praise you want to put on what God can do for you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Anybody know that God is able to do it? Look at somebody and say, yes, he can. I believe I serve a God that's able. I believe that I serve a God regardless of what's going on in your family. 
what's going on with your children, your grands, with anybody. I believe I serve a God. I don't care where they may be at this stage in their life. They may be so far from church that you wonder yourself if anybody can reach them. But the God I serve is able to do it. And faith is, listen to this, don't everybody cannot do this, but faith is putting a praise in advance on something that you expect God to do. Walk by your son and daughter's room and just give God a little dance and woo, thank you, Jesus. What are you thinking, God? I see what God is. Uh, Because guess what? They are not what they're going through. <laughs> Amen. They are not. Perhaps, and here, here, here's the issue. God dropped this in my, perhaps some have been beaten down so much. Deacon, Deacon Tommy Wilson, they've been beaten down. There's some folk that have been beaten down so much. They've had so many bad things happen to them that it's, it's just, they've come to believe that's who they are. That's what the enemy does. They, they, they've had so many horrible things happen. Somehow the enemy convinces us we deserve that. Amen. Maybe you don't deserve anybody. Maybe you deserve to be by yourself for the rest of your life. And the enemy is so good in rewinding the tape. They're rewinding. They'll show us things we've done so long ago, and we'll begin to justify. Well, that's why I am messed up as I am now, because I went through so much. But I'm here to tell you that God is a forgiving God. And the book of Revelation says he had cast it into the sea of or forget anybody know that God can bless you despite what you may have gone through and God says I know everything I need to know about you but I am not judging you on that listen it is important for us to remember that no matter what we may be going through no matter what mistakes perhaps we've made sometime somehow in our past God sees the best in you tell somebody God sees the best God sees the you that's delivered <laughs> God sees the you that's blessed and highly favored listen to this text and I want to spend the next few moments on this powerful text this is one of my favorite miracles in the Bible of the 37 miracles that we talked about in 2015 this miracle stands out this text examines a powerful example of God seeing the best in the life of a woman during a very difficult time in her life. Listen, today's text shared this powerful testimony. This woman was very sick. In fact, we don't even know her name. The text simply refers to her. Listen to how the King James refers to her in the 25th verse as a woman with an issue of blood. We don't even know her name, but we know she has an issue. Isn't that life? Folk don't even know you, but they know your issues. Therefore, go, you know that deacon, I, I, I can't call his name, but I do know this. He having a whole lot of problems with his son. They having a whole lot of family. Folk know your issues before they even know you. And if we're not careful, here's what the enemy would do. The enemy would allow them to define you by your issues. This woman whose name wasn't even known. Now, church historians have given her a name. There are uh, some commentaries that calls her Veronica. And I'm not sure that's her name or not. The Bible doesn't say that. But there's some early church fathers who thought so much of this woman that they said she ought to be enshrined. But let me tell you why they thought so much of her. She was an ordinary woman that wasn't highly thought of. She was a woman. May I preach this to somebody? How, how many of you are walking around with issues that people have already identified you by what you're going through? 
And, and if you aren't careful, we will buy into that. So here is this woman in her house, locked down in her house, told you can't go out. Why? Because you have an illness that if you go out and you are caught, you can be stoned to death right there on the spot. But something happened in her life. Even her miracle mother Jackson wasn't so highly thought of as the miracle that preceded her and the miracle that followed her. I'm preaching to somebody. In this fifth chapter of the book of Mark, there are three major miracles that we see in this span of verses. The miracle that preceded her was an iconic miracle because it involved a man who called himself Legion. Because he had in him the possession of many demons. And you know the story. Jesus delivered him and out of him over 2,000 demons went into a herd of swine. And the swine drove themselves off a cliff. This captured the attention of the people around them. They went, wow, this Jesus uh, can just speak a word. And out of this man comes everything bad. And he is now delivered. Here's what the text says about the man called himself Legion. The Bible says, and he found himself clothed in his right mind sitting next to Jesus. This would get your attention. Am I right about it? So he delivered this man and sitting next to Jesus. And as a result of that, people from all over approached Jesus. Such is the case of the third miracle in between this woman. There was a man by the name of Jairus. And Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. In other words, Jairus was high class. Jairus was bougie. Jairus was somebody who had a lot of money and a lot of recognition, and he had fame and fortune. And so Jairus came to Jesus and asked Jesus, I've got a 12-year-old daughter sick at home. How long had this woman been sick? Some of you go to Sunday school. 12 years. Jarius says, look at, look at the parallel. I've got a 12-year-old daughter at home sick. And this woman had been sick in her house. How long? Somebody shout 12 years. Now, Jarius had an appointment. In other words, Jesus made an appointment. Oh, good God. I wish I could preach this. Jesus made an appointment appointment with this man named Jairus. And because Jesus had an appointment, I'm going to your house to heal your daughter. Everybody and their mamas, Mother Williams, followed him to Jairus's house. Why? Because they wanted to see what Jesus was going to do with this chronically ill 12-year-old who was Jairus's daughter. And so the crowd followed him to Jairus' house. Remember, Legion, the man called Legion, had just been delivered from over 2,000 demons. And he was on his way to perform another miracle. There was a woman with an issue of blood that had no appointment. Good God Almighty, I feel like preaching. Elder Jennifer, she had no appointment. But she had an opportunity. Who can I preach? Should I preach? May I preach? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, where there are no appointments, there are always opportunities. Uh, she had no appointment. But she said, I've got an opportunity. Because on his way, to the big shop's house. He's got to pass by my house. Can I preach to somebody? And, 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 and I know I'll not leave the house. And I know I don't have, he has no appointment to stop by my house. But I've got a once in a lifetime opportunity. If I can just intersect, if I can just intercede if I can just interrupt 
the flow for just a brief moment and I know I'm a nobody so I don't even need a conversation with him all I need is an opportunity to get close enough to him just to reach my feeble dried up hand from anemia to touch the hem of his garment and I've got enough faith that even if Jesus don't know my name I know his power can I preach look at somebody say you don't need an appointment all you need is an opportunity Sarah folk may not know your name but when you walked in that hospital room to have that surgery and they decided to take one more test to see if that blockage was still there what they did not understand is that you had an opportunity I just need a handful of folk that ever had an opportunity look at your neighbor say there's an opportunity for you to get a miracle right now that Anybody want it right now? Anybody want it right now? Somebody shout right now, Lord. Shout right now, Lord. Do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. Holler if you have to. Scream if you have to. Leave the house if you have to. Here's the text. Here's the text. I don't have an appointment. He doesn't even know my name. He doesn't even know the house he's passing by. But the Bible says when she heard, faith comes by. And hearing by the word, what did she hear? She heard that Jesus was a healer. She heard that Jesus can do what nobody else could do. What you know about Jesus? Anybody know anything about Jesus? I heard Mother Maddie Harris say, what you know about Jesus? Y'all better watch out. Y'all better watch out. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. He's all right. He's a heart fixer. He's a healer. He's an epidemiologist. Woo! He can do what nobody else can do. Listen, she heard that Jesus would be passing her way. And she says, I'm going to take a chance and leave my house. And I don't want to create a noise. I don't want folk to even know I'm in the crowd. And in fact, Jesus, you don't even have to stop and talk about me. In fact, you don't even have to touch me. Can I preach? Look at somebody and say, he didn't even have to touch me. You've got to have enough faith to touch. The woman said, Jesus, you don't even have to touch me but I've got enough faith that I believe if I can just reach my feeble hand and touch the hem of your garment something good is going to happen to me I need about 100 folk to just stretch a hand out and say Lord I'm touching you I'm touching you Anybody want to touch him? Touch him. Touch him with faith. Touch him. Touch him with believing that is already done. And watch God. Somebody help me. Stretch up those hands and say, Lord, I need a miracle this day. You got to reach for it before you get it. Yeah. Reach your hand and say, Lord, I need a miracle right now. 
Can nobody believe you can get it? Act like you can get it. Stretch out your hands like you're going to get it. Save my daughter. Save my son. Have your way. Look at what happened. Multitude of people around him. One feeble woman sneaks in the crowd. Ooh, Brother Cornwell, touch Jesus. Jesus stands still. Your faith ought to be powerful enough. It makes the presence of the Lord stand still. Her touch was so powerful, it was not the velocity of her grab but it was the strength of her faith. Her faith was so strong that when she touched Jesus, stood still. The procession stops. The appointment with Jairus' daughter put on hold. <laughs> because here's a woman with enough faith to believe if she can just touch me, something will happen. Here's what the text says. Verse 26 says uh, that she had suffered many things. She grew worse. But when she touched, look at the text, verse 27. But when she touched the hem of her garden, uh, I came behind in the press to just touch. Uh, verse 28 says, then something happened. For she said, if I can just touch his garment, I shall be made. What do you believe God can do on your behalf? Can I ask you that again? Look at somebody and say, what do you believe God can do on your behalf? If you can believe it, it's already done. If I can just touch it, and then verse 29 says something there, and straight away, and right away, and immediately, the issue she had been dealing with went away. Well, somebody just got it. When she touched Jesus, the issue went away. Did you catch this? Not when Jesus touched her. Because in fact, in fact, I wish I had to deal with this. It just wasn't the touch. Man, I preached this message for 40 years and I preached about the touch and it was the touch and I know it was a special touch but she wasn't the only one rubbing against Jesus. You, you've got to believe that a whole lot of folk in that crowd incidentally bumped into Jesus but they didn't do it with faith. The disciples said, Master, you see all these folk around here and you worried about one somebody bumping into you. Shut up, Peter. Shut up, John. I'm not talking about that kind of touch. Who touched me? Because everybody that rubbed against him didn't get a miracle. But the person that purposely with faith touched him got their miracle and the Bible say her issue went away and she was healed of a plague look at somebody say it was done now if the story would have ended there it still Gwen would have been a good miracle <laughs> if, if, if Mark in fact Peter writes it Mark is the author but Peter dictates to Mark this gospel if it would have ended there, it still would have been a good miracle. But Jesus says the really most powerful thing about this text is not what happened to her body, but what happened to her identity. Can I preach to somebody? Jesus says, who touched me? The Bible says she came with faith kneeling down, worshiping before the Lord, told God what happened. And here's the key. Here is the one takeaway from this text.
And I know I normally give three, but this message is so powerful, I don't want you to remember but one. Look at somebody and say, here's the one takeaway from this text. And it happens in verse 34. Take note of this. In verse 34, the King James Version of what Jesus said to this woman after he realized that she was the one. He, he knew it all along. Jesus never asked a question so that he can find out the answer. He asked the question so she could be blessed. I know you touched me. I know you had faith to touch me, but I now see if you got the courage to come forth. And when she came forth and said, I am the one who touched you. Look at verse 34. Here's the subject. This is what the subject is all about. And Jesus turned to her, King James Version, verse 34. And he said to her, and I need you to see this as we put it on the board. He turns to this woman and says to her something that is so powerful. He says to her, daughter. Somebody shout, daughter. Let me help you understand why this is important. What was the only other description of this woman that's given in the text? Verse 25. A woman with an issue. <laughs> and never, nobody, everybody knew her as a woman with an issue. The issue was what she was going through. It was not her. Ooh, preach Pastor Jackson. Because see, so many of us have relegated ourselves to what we're going through. But Jesus says, I'm not identifying you according to your issue. I'm identifying you for who you are in the kingdom. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Jesus called her daughter. She was not a woman with an issue any longer. She was a daughter of the kingdom of God. Here's the one takeaway. Amen. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, she was not what she was going through. The last point of my message, and I want to put this on the screen. Here's the one takeaway. She was not what she was going through. But here's the key. Look at somebody and say, neither are we. From Jesus' perspective, she was a daughter. Who are you? You're not what you're going through. You are greater than anything, any demon in your life, any condition that you're going through. Stand to your feet all over this place. Somebody lift those hands all over this place and say, Lord, I am who you say I am. Come on, somebody have to declare. Say, Lord, thank you for seeing the best in me. When everybody else saw your issues. Ooh, <laughs> Who am I speaking to right now? When everybody else saw your condition. When everybody else saw your past discretions. The Lord said, I saw something else in you. God sees what your son is going to be, Gwen. God sees what your daughter And, and in fact, not even what they're going to be. God sees who they are right now. Amen. Because God has blessed in such a way that we are who God says we are. I need everybody to do me a favor and just lift those hands for one moment and tell the Lord, Lord, I thank you for seeing the best in me. Here's the way Marvin Sapp puts it. When everyone else around could only see the worst in me, God saw the best in me. I'm going to do something. I'm led by God to do this. As you come to the altar, just spread out all across the altar. Amen. Don't put your hands around anybody. To those of you that want to come, amen. And God says, amen. I see something that 
no one else could see. Anybody believe that God sees in you who you are? You're not a woman with an issue. Jesus called her daughter. to worship stretch out all across the altar stay behind somebody when everyone else around could only see the worst in me (laughs) God sees something in state house called ban the box what it means is that if you've been convicted of something when you initially file an application you don't have to disclose that you only disclose it after they've chosen you for an interview so that people can see who you are here's an emotional experience brother Tyshawn so during this process a young man came to see me who wanted to testify before the subcommittee and he sat in my office and he says can I just talk to you one on one former athlete over six feet three star athlete boys on his way to division one school had everything out there for him but he made a mistake some years ago and got arrested and it was on his record. Lost his scholarship. Could not get a decent job. So Deacon Parker, you know this. You went to Duke University to play football. You know how they feel about this. 
this young man sit in my office just and he he says i just i just need to talk to you senator jackson and he said can i close the door and he literally cried like a baby six foot four 240 some pound chisel cried like a baby he said the problem is whenever i apply for a job they see my record before they see me he said, I can't, he said, I can't even get on first base because the moment I check that box and say, I've been arrested, the first question that comes out of their mouth is, you were arrested, what did you do? And the next thing is, thank you for applying, we'll be in touch. <sighs> Broke my heart. This, this man, this athletic specimen, sit and cries like a baby and then he says this he said pastor senator all I ever want is a chance and he said I, I hope somebody can see me beyond my record and quite honestly both of us were crying then and I says can the pastor talk to you and not the senator I said I am somewhat limited what I can do for you as a senator but can I tell you something God can help you and God can do for you and God will give you another chance and here's what he says he said all I want maybe somebody can help me get it expunged and I immediately picked up the phone called somebody at the fifth circuit solicitor's office and I says we've got to make this happen because all this young man needs is a chance. We've got to make it happen. They went into action. Somebody else went into action. They moved things. We had a judge we know helped us out. The judge signed the order. I saw the young man, he came waving his paper. He said, Pastor Jackson, I'm a free man. I'm a free man. The next Sunday, I saw him at church crying at the altar because God did what the courts could not do. God sees something about us that man could not see. And he had to look beyond his situation and his circumstances. And I said to him, don't even call yourself an ex-felon call yourself whatever you hope to be and when God does it nobody else can undo what God has done look at somebody and say you're next in line God's getting ready to turn your situation around yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he only sees me for who those hands starting this day this 15th day of March in the year 2020 time is 102 p.m. I need you to look at somebody and say you're not what you're going through <laughs> and you're not what you have been through amen somebody Ooh. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Ooh. This young man whose name you would never know. I so admire him. Ooh. God is blessed in such a powerful way. And God says I'm doing it for somebody else. Everybody else says you are a person with an issue. God said you're my son and my daughter. Close those eyes. Put your hands right here on your heart. Put your hands right here. I don't know what you're going through. But here's what I believe. That there is at least one somebody in this building who needs God to turn it around for you. Ooh, 
because you've been judged so much on your past. There's so many young people at DJJ, at the Department of Corrections and others, and when they get out, they need to know they're welcome. Somebody in here right now, God says, I'm turning your situation around. But the woman, listen to this, the woman never would have been delivered if she never left the house. Her deliverance started, Elder Jeff, when she was willing to leave the house and take a chance. You'll never be delivered if you're afraid to walk down the aisle and stand at the altar. You'll never be delivered if you're afraid to say, oh Lord, here I am, Lord. I need something good to happen in my life starting today. And God says, when you do, I'll turn it around. Anybody know he'll turn it around? Close those eyes, eternal Father. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. For we declare and decree the struggle is over. Oh, it's over. Thank you, Lord. I've been in this place so long. <laughs> but it's over. Somebody today is being delivered. Somebody right now, Lord, you're turning it around in a way that only you could do. Get ready for a miracle. Somebody need to get ready for God to do something in your life that only God can do. And we say thank you. This woman fell to her knees and began to worship the God that had delivered her and as we worship you, we said it's over. It's over. It's over. God is about to do something good in somebody's life. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Come on and tell them, build this. Now here's what God says. Everybody go back to your seat. Don't leave right now. Everybody stay in the building. Because God told me to do something to somebody that wants to be delivered right now. You come stand at this altar with me. Somebody that needs God to do something. Thank you, baby. Come on, stand. God bless you. Others are coming right. You need God to do something supernatural. Wherever you are right now. Come on, the struggle. Somebody who needs the struggle to be over for you right now. Walk down those old. You've got to leave where you are. You've got to leave where you are right now. Thank you, man. The struggle is over. The struggle is over. It's over. It takes faith to do this. Come on. Somebody else is coming. God told me to do this. That's right, come on. My struggle is over. Struggle is over. is over. Look at God, look at God. Come on, say Somebody else is coming. coming. 60 more seconds. God says 60 more seconds. Somebody else come down. We're about to touch and agree. This is the second altar call. Nobody else comes. 
we're done. Because I'm a God told me to speak something over this group. God, God, God told me to prophesy something over this group. God says, because you were bold enough to leave your seat when thousands of people, over a thousand plus people are watching you, God's going to turn your situation around. Okay. Look, I, I don't take this lightly. I'm hearing God says, for somebody in this line right now, the next seven days, you will witness a turnaround. And when it happens, don't even mention Pastor Jackson. Just give God the glory. Amen. It's over. Everybody punch your hands this way. Some of you should have came, but you didn't, okay? And God said, this is, this is for those who laid their issue at the feet of Jesus. Whew. This woman left her house and brought her issue with her. Put it at the garment of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree that God is doing something that only God could do. Ooh, for somebody under the sound of my voice right now standing here within the next seven days God says I'm going to turn something around on your behalf and I'm going to do something that only God could do and God says I will change your identity no longer will you be a broken person but you're going to be who God says you are amen get ready Get ready for a new thing. Behold, God is going to do a new thing in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say it's over. Anyone want to make that commitment? If you want to join the church, if you want to give your life to the Lord, just let the elders or the ministers know right now. You want to make that commitment, baby? You want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's over. If you want to make look at God. Look at It's over. Listen. Here's the key as you stand for the benediction. When God delivers you, you can't go back to being who you were. Because from that moment on, no longer was she a woman with an issue. She was a daughter of Zion. Amen. And God says, I'm going to deliver you and change your identity. And you're going to be who God says you are. On Tuesday night, amen, God has instructed me to do something totally different. There's a message that I preached in 2004. And it was called Overcoming the Spirit of Fear. I'm going to do that on Tuesday night. I'm going to share that on Tuesday night. If we are not able to have church, we will send out notice. But as of now, meet me here. And we'll spread out and do whatever we need to do. But God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. Amen. Amen. But of love, power, and of a sound mind. Anybody know what God is about to do? Amen. And I know that... Their fear has gripped this nation, gripped this world. And trust me, I am not minimizing this. That's why we had Cedric talk about this. This thing is real. But the God we serve is real also. Amen, somebody. Amen. Meet us back here on Tuesday night. Clap your hands for those who've made that commitment tonight. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now tomorrow and forevermore and the church said amen just wave at somebody say it's over it's over the struggle is God it's over tell somebody it's over it's over for you the struggle
Jesus, I'm not.